great Odin's raven. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With, I'll go. Hello, and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number fifty-five. My name is Adam. Today, I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? Uh, it's okay. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Eh. Yeah, I'm f- I'm feeling okay too. I'm, f- I'm feeling pretty good actually. Feeling I'm like good. I'm like on the borderline of being sick for like the last two months almost. How about those Oscars, huh? Oh yeah, coming up. Can you can you believe that? Insert name here. One. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't. It's unbelievable. We, we actually record this on Sunday mornings, so the Oscars haven't happened yet. So yeah. by the time you hear this, they will have happened. So because we're not going to be able to talk about the Oscars, we're going to talk about the Independent Spirit Awards, which happened last night. And I think we're also going to sprinkle in some Razzies. Oh, the the Razzies good. were last night as well. I like it. We also have a new Kickstart Sunday project to highlight this week. Uh, which is Swim Little Fish Swim, which is having its world premiere at South by Southwest in just a couple weeks. Uh, We were able to sit down, I was able to sit down and do a short interview with the film's directors, Ruben Amar and Lola Basis. But if you think about it, if you've heard previous interviews, it's almost like I was there. (laughs) It's essentially like I was there. Well, actually... We have two interviews this week. We also sat down with the director, Danny Madden, and talked about his new film, Euphonia, which is also having its world premiere at South by Southwest. And with that one, you you did talk yeah. significantly more. He, that was an enjoyable interview. It was not a, it not was to say that the other ones weren't, but he was, he, he was a good guy to talk to. Yeah. I, I love doing all our interviews. Mm-hmm. And we, we have plenty more lined up, so... And finally, we'll be making our weekly movie predictions and going over this week's DVD and Blu-ray releases. But as always, let's kick things off with some of what we've been watching. I had a very light week this week, uh, just because getting things ready for the festival and Oscars and all that stuff. And we've been plugging away at the site. So I haven't had a lot of time this week Mm -hmm. to to see stuff. But I did see a couple things. Uh, First, um, we just mentioned it. I saw Euphonia, which is a film that's going to be premiering at South by Southwest. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit more during our interview in just a bit. Then I saw Street Trash from 1987. Street Trash. Street Trash. Talk about great title. This was amazing. I I love this movie. This is one of these movies that I always saw the cover for, and and I read about it. From time to time, but I never, I never saw it before, and I've never, I decided I've never heard of this. I just brought it up on IMDb and read the synopsis, and I'm sold. Yeah, so I picked this for my Grindhouse Weekly feature, so you can go to the site, check that out. Uh, I talk about it in more detail on the on the site, but basically, it's about <laughs> homeless people in Brooklyn. And there is this liquor store owner who finds this case of mysterious liquor called Tenafly Viper, and he sells it to homeless people, and when they drink it, they melt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What more do you want? But the odd thing is, like, the that is kind of the 
the big thing about this movie is that when these homeless people drink this stuff, they melt. But there's a lot going on in this movie. And it's so gross and so over the top and just so 80s. I loved it. The music, the the outfits, the hair, it had this kind of post-apocalyptic feel to it where there's like this uh, like shanty town of vagrants that live at this <laughs> dump and they have this like leader who sits on this like throne of yes. of, of uh, like junk car parts and stuff and to all, to all that I say yes, yes and yes. It's it's great. And I pretty much loved every second of this movie. It's so gory and so gross. Like, I cannot tell you enough that this movie is disgusting. Well, but yeah. it's in, it's not in a bad way. It's, it's hard to watch, but it's fun as well. Like, when the people melt, it's like a rainbow shoots out of their bodies. Yes. It's like purple it. and yellow and blue and green. Great. And yeah, I I don't know if you know this, but looking up James Murrow, the director of this film, which is the only film he's ever directed, he was the Steadicam operator for Maniac Cop, Beware Mm -hmm. Children at Play, uh, Panaglide operator for Field of Dreams, sort Mm -hmm. of a departure there, and Dances with Wolves. I mean, this guy's a camera operator for a lot of films. Yeah. But I just love the fact that it's Beware Children at Play and Maniac Cop. Two two movies that uh, we talked about last. Oh year. yeah, oh yeah, Fast and the Furious that he came operator. I highly recommend this movie. I can't say enough about it. It is so goofy and ridiculous. I will say this, and I, I hesitate to say this because people are going to start thinking I have some kind of weird fetish. But oh, somebody geez. gets somebody gets pissed on in this movie. Oh my god, you do have a weird fetish. That's uh, three weeks in a row. Three now. weeks. Three weeks in a row. I've seen movies involving someone pissing on someone else's face. Wow. And in this movie... The face, no less. In this movie, the guy gets pissed on, and then he cuts the dude's dick off, and they play keep away with his penis. Wow. Okay. Okay. It's... (laughs) To that that I say, I don't know. Uh, It's a short scene. It's kind of a throwaway scene. You can easily forget about it it's the other stuff that really and i find it funny because any movie that takes place in the city in the 80s makes the city look like the worst place in the world yeah like i mean there's trash everywhere they live in trash you gotta remember i mean the efforts to clean up new york city were fantastic i mean they really cleaned up that city oh yeah absolutely I mean, this there's there's no hipsters in this part of Portland. Oh, <laughs> damn it! But uh, again, just highly recommend it. It was just '80s camp at its best. Street trash special yeah. meltdown meltdown edition. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Nice. Love and it. then I saw Contiki. Contiki. This was I've been, nominated. I've been hearing a lot about this. This was nominated for best foreign language film at the Oscars this year. And it's actually a remake of sorts of a, a documentary that came out in like 1950 or 51. And it tells the true story of this uh, scientist who he had a theory, and this, this is back in the 40s, that the natives that live in Polynesia uh, 
emigrated there from uh, Peru and not Asia, which is what the general consensus was. And the guy's name is, he was really, really famous. His name's Thor uh, Heyerdahl. Heyerdahl? And the movie that he made, he, he basically, the, the story is, no one believed him. So he decided to build a raft out of balsa wood. And him and four other dudes took the trip. And they floated from Peru to Polynesia. And the movie's just about the journey. And this is the the documentary that came out in 1950 was actually written and directed by him. And it consisted of all the footage because they actually took a camera on the boat or raft with them. And it won best documentary at the Oscars in like 50 or 51, whenever that came out. Mm. So now we, we revisit it and I like the movie. Um, the, the issues that I had with it mostly came at the end of the movie. It does get pretty sappy mm. at the end. And unfortunately that really brought it down for me. Like I was really into this movie up until near the end. There's a lot of, the sappy parts aren't just at the end. There's a lot of scenes with the guys just kind of staring up at the stars. And there's this one ridiculous scene where they're all, it reminded me of like sisterhood of the traveling pants or something where all the guys on the raft are laying on their backs in a, in a, in a circle. Uh, and like, you know, they're all their heads are great. You know, and that was like ridiculous, mm. but I really enjoyed the special effects in this movie. I thought the special effects were top notch, great CG. And there's, there's some suspenseful moments. Like for instance, sharks are following them like the whole time. And they're always having to deal with sharks. The action scenes were, were cool. There is a scene where they fight a shark. Like a, a guy literally fights a shark. Like a, like a zombie versus shark type deal. <laughs> he, he pulls the shark. He grabs the shark in the okay. water and right. pulls it out of the water onto the raft and Ooh. begins to like pummel it. Yes. And it's ridiculously bloody. That scene. I, it's one of those things where I wonder what's going through someone's head. Like, um, it, and, and also what's going through the shark's head. The shark has never been punched before. <laughs> so the shark has got to be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I mean, there there is some context to why that happens, but I don't want to give too much of the movie away. Gotcha. But it, it is an interesting watch because I didn't know anything about the, the story. I, yeah, this, I knew nothing I've, of it. So I've heard a lot about Contiki mostly because of it being nominated for an Oscar, but I'm, for whatever reason, I never looked it up. Yeah, it, it is. It seems it's a, interesting. It's a very interesting story. And actually, in 2012... Uh, Thor's grandson did the same thing. He built a raft oh. out of balsa wood and he did he took the same journey. Copycat. Yeah. I guess it's like a family thing now, but Fair uh they they have it. Contiki. Pretty good. Contiki. N- not not amazing, but uh, it is worth a watch. I it kind of felt like Life of Pi to me. Mm. Yeah. In a way. I would but, see that. Uh, and then I saw Snitch. <laughs> the Rock. Oh. I was waiting for you to go and move it on. <laughs> uh, this is this was different than I thought it would be. And I think that it's going to be different. I think a lot of people are going to think that it's different because it's not it's not a, an action movie. It's oh. 
it's a straight up drama. It, there are action elements to it. There's a car chase and a shootout, but for the most part, this is a straight up drama. Oh, okay. And it's I I respect The Rock in wanting to do more dramatic roles. In fact, I read that he's trying to do more roles like this where it's just normal. Like he doesn't fight anybody. He doesn't beat anybody up. Like yeah. I don't even think he throws one punch in this movie. Hmm. But the unfortunate thing is that it doesn't work. It's it's such a mixed bag. Like at one moment they're trying to make it this very serious drama that's about a serious social issue, which is mandatory minimum sentencing on drug possession. Okay. So they're trying to kind of make a, a commentary about that and, and the flaws with that system. Yeah. But then they'll mix in like this over the top action scene, like shootout. And the Dwayne Johnson as the main character is not, a, it's just not a good idea because when you see him, you don't think like, oh, this is just a normal Joe Schmo that's put into this ridiculous, you know, crazy situation. You think, like, this is a bad motherfucker that's in this situation that's yeah, going to kick... Yeah, he's about to wreck some shit. Yeah, and, but he doesn't because the character is just a normal guy. And, like, he, he gets scared easily and he gets intimidated by people and he, he doesn't fight and... Like, there's a scene where he's buying some guns, and he's like, he looks like he's totally out of his element, and he doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And when I, as I watched the movie, I was thinking to myself, this would have worked so much better if they, if they got an actor that was not The Rock or yeah. some huge action guy. If yeah. they picked, if they picked like a normal uh, actor, I think it would have worked a lot better because then the stakes would feel higher because then you would actually feel like this guy's in danger. But when it's yeah. The Rock, you never feel that for a second. No. Yeah, it seems like it's someone screwed up in the casting department. Yeah. And they, should, they, shouldn't have, they shouldn't have won with Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. I, like. I, I, I like him, and I think that he, di- he didn't do a bad job. There were a couple lines where I was just like, oh, my God, that's completely over the top and cheesy. But for the most part, he did a fine job. It's just I don't think it was the right role for him and the movie in and of itself is it's just all over the place like they do this little blurb at the end where it gives statistics on mandatory minimum sentencing and stuff and it felt that felt really out of place mm-hmm. and there was just it just wasn't very good i mean it, it wasn't a, a bad movie but it just didn't have enough like the action scenes were super bland and mediocre i actually almost fell asleep three times Ooh. At my screening of this, it's That's not good. the dr- the dramatic elements are extremely dry and slow. And they drag, mm. so it's I just I can't recommend it. I'm sorry. Mm. I do have to point out that Dwayne Johnson is going to be starring in the remake of Teddy Bear. Oh, one of the films that uh, you were quite high on last year. I was quite, but again, I don't know. I don't know if that would work because see that the whole point of Teddy Bear is that this guy is enormous like he's like twice the size of the rock this guy yeah freaking i did i know I'm, I'm wondering if the rock is going to gain muscle mass to do this film he would have to gain a lot because if you see the guy in teddy bear yeah that guy is huge. a monster but that guy is huge that's that's all i saw this week uh i've seen a decent amount of things a lot of uh short films i'm still on the short film kick 
Mm-hmm. It's been going on for quite a while now. The first of which was Adam and Dog. I don't know if you saw this one. The yeah, Oscar nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was boring as shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's dry. Yeah. It's just like it didn't hold my interest at all. I didn't care. It was entirely too long. And I don't like, even. How long was it? Yeah, I think it was like 15 minutes. For whatever reason, I couldn't get into it. <clears throat> I don't know if it was my fault or what, but didn't like it. Another one I watched was Hen, his wife, which this is the same animator that does Ah, Real Monsters. Yes. You remember that shit? Yes. This, Nick, yeah. Nicktoons. Oh my God, it was amazing. This is like an early short from his Russia days. And let me just say that this is bizarre shit. Looks bizarre. Yeah, it is insanely bizarre. Um, I watched this on YouTube. Still good, though. I still thoroughly enjoyed it, even though it was bizarre as can be. I, don't, I was oddly captivated for whatever reason. Um, it's about a, like a blue blue man and his essentially hen wife. And they have a pet. He looks like a worm with a human face. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's messed up. It's mm-hmm. messed up messed up it's it's just insane to think that this is a guy that does uh, real monsters but the animation style as soon as you see it you're gonna be like oh yeah okay i see what you're saying uh, real monsters it looks exactly the same and then i followed it up with uh vera drake the mike lee movie one in the complete opposite direction really and like always mike lee's movie essentially made me cry uh about <laughs> this is about illegal abortions Mm-hmm. During the fifties in Britain, so you know some some tough uh, tough subject matter there. Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. But like always, uh, Lee's film has a plethora of fine performances. Imelda Staunton, who plays Vera Drake, does an amazing job. Philip Davis, who plays her husband, does an amazing job. Uh, Daniel Mays, who appears in a lot of Mike Lee films does an amazing job as uh, their son, who ends up having, you know, some sort of conflicting thoughts on his mother after he finds out about the whole illegal abortion thing. And, I know, it, for whatever reason, Mike Lee films are just emotionally wrenching films to me. They're, mm-hmm. they're, their characters are so unbelievably sad, but not to the point where they're completely pitiful, where you're just like, oh, these people... But it, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm slowly, not really slowly, I'm just becoming a huge fan of Mike Lee. Even though I haven't seen too many films of his. But every single one I've seen is amazing. Ah, uh, what else? The Cameraman's Revenge. So this is an early 1912 animated feature. Well, not really feature, sorry. Short film by uh, Ladislaw Sterwicz, who's a Polish animator. This guy does films with dead insects and uses wire to animate them, okay? This is 1912 we're talking about here. Hmm. Think of everything Terry Gilliam ever wanted to be. This guy did it in 1912. Hmm. And I watched this on YouTube as well. And if you can, check out Cameraman's Revenge on YouTube. This is amazing. This is just completely fucking unbelievable. That this guy was doing this at 1912. It just like that's at one point in the film you just completely lose sight that these are dead insects. The stop motion animation is just it's top notch. 
it's as good as you see nowadays. I mean, if you touch these movies up, I mean, you could release it today and it would be amazing. It's just bizarre that people haven't, um, you know, topped what he did back in 19 fucking 12. <laughs> so that is definitely check that shit out because it's amazing. Um, then I watched El Norte, which is an immigration story. This is out on Criterion. It's out on Blu-ray, I think, as well. Uh, Gregory Nava. This film was very promising in the very beginning. It's three parts. First part takes place in Guatemala. Second part takes place in Mexico. Third, they finally make it to the U.S. It's a brother and sister, uh, Enrique and Rosa, who, through um, political... Uh, oppression and everything. They, you know, their parents are killed by the Guatemalan army, so they decide to immigrate to the U.S. First part, Guatemala. This is ten out of ten. This movie is unbelievable, and then it just slowly deteriorates mm. over the next two parts. And I thought, man, I've never heard of Gregory Nava, but this film was really promising. That has to be like his first or second film. This is the guy that did Selena, and wow. yeah. Apparently, he just, his career just went nowhere, unfortunately. I mean, decent film, though. It's a, a different look at the immigration story and a very honest portrayal, I would say. But it does deteriorate over the, the last two parts. And then I watched Sinister. Holy shit, this was creepy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything that involved the Super 8 films was just... I mean, perfect. Yeah. Perfect staging, perfect lighting, camera work. I mean, just so disturbing, creepy. And the way that the film starts out, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just, but everything else was, uh, and it just, there was a part of me that seemed near the end. They just sort of crammed everything together. There was so much build up, and then they were like, oh, shit, we got to finish the film. So they just crammed everything together, and it just seemed a bit forced and rushed at the end. But, I mean, the Super 8 films alone are, on their own, can be their amazing, like, short experimental horror films that are some of the most disturbing things I've seen in a long time. Bagul. Yeah, that's the only thing. I couldn't get over that. Bagul. It, it still makes me laugh. And it... I have to I have to give them some credit. They didn't seem to go for the obviously lazy jump scares. No, it was. I thought that it was a very unique. There was a couple of times where they did it, and I was like, "Come on, don't do that." You've gone like the entire movie when he's watching the kids watching the the Super Eight films up in the attic, and then like Bagul pops in from the side, like right in his face. I'm just thinking that aspect in real life like is Bagul just like sitting there like I'm just gonna pop in from the side head cocked just to scare the shit out of this guy well the thing about jump scares and I know that you don't like them I think that they can be used in an effective way the first movie that comes to mind is um drag me to hell I thought used jump scares in in a good way because it shouldn't be used as a crutch and a lot of movies use jump scares as a crutch, and I think we're probably going to be talking about that on Wednesday when we go over Ryan's movie. Yeah. But, like, if it's used just to enhance the movie, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. See, the, the problem I have with jump scares is, I mean, a lot of movies, the main problem that I have is a lot of movies, you know, horror movies especially, like you said, it's a crutch. They use it constantly, incessantly throughout the movie. 
And to me, it's just lazy because if you have a moment of silence or a very soft-spoken or whatever, and then there's a loud noise, how do you expect people to react? Of course, they're going to jump. Well, and that's why that they they do that. I mean, yeah, but to me, it's like not, to me, it's not a very intelligent scare. It's it's just like you know when you go to to Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando and. Pretty much all the haunted houses are just jump scares, like oh, yeah. pe- people jumping out at you. I mean, and that's how the, those some of those movies are designed. But like I said on my letterbox review, I get scared shitless when someone rings my doorbell. <laughs> it scares. I I almost have a heart attack every time. <laughs> a little high strung. <laughs> just a bit. It's no. It's just essentially I don't have much visitors. Uh, it only happens like two or three times a year. I forget that I have a doorbell. I don't remember how it sounds, so when it happens, it's so fucking loud, it scares the shit out of me. You need to change your doorbell sound to just someone screaming. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I would probably have a seizure. I'll tell you right now, tip of the cap to Scott Derrickson for the way he started this film. Because, I mean, that is ballsy. It was, when I first saw it, I was like, what is this? Yeah. I was like, it's... holy crap. Yeah, that was unbelievably unsettling. And, and then it was, it was in slow oh, motion too. Which yes. Even... Oh, and did you notice right off the bat the the, the pruning shear doing the? No, I didn't know what was going okay. on. See, I, I saw that right away, and I, I, thought... I was I was thinking, you know, is that supposed to be like a surprise? Because I knew right away that someone was in the tree cutting the branch. Well, I saw it, but I didn't know I didn't know what was going on. Like I didn't know if that was supposed to be there, and I didn't know. Because at first I was like, "Is this in reverse or like what's what's happening?" But by the end, obviously, I figured it out. But I was just taken aback mm. by that. Like I didn't see that coming. Mm. And then the last film I saw was Russian Ark. Uh, Russian film goes through, of course, goes through the Russia State Hermitage Museum. Uh, this is sort of like a time travel type deal where they go, they walk through the museum. And this is all done in one shot, one single continuous shot, a la Silent House, but much, much, much better. Go through all the different rooms and everything. Um, there is a character that is along with essentially the camera operator slash narrator of the film. And he's based on a real life French aristocrat who did travel writings about Russia and his time in Russia. And they go through like the entire history of Russia and it plays out in the museum while they're like sort of floating through it. And it's just unbelievable. The, the cast alone, I, I can't remember how many people are in this, but it's like a costume drama at the same time. Just the costume design for this is insane. And just the pacing, the timing it's just unbelievable. This is a 10 out of 10 for me. Because, I mean, number one, it helps that I'm obsessed with museums. So this was tons of fun for me. Because I can walk through museums all day. Cool. And luckily I don't live in a city. Because I would be in museums like every day, almost. <laughs> Let's jump right into our Kickstart Sunday project this week. We uh, sat down and had a chat with Ruben Amar and Lola Basis on their new movie, Swim Little Fish Swim, which is having its world premiere at South by Southwest. They currently have a Kickstarter campaign going to get some post-production money together for the film. This looks really good, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. This is our interview with directors Ruben Amar and Lola Basis. 
why don't we start off by maybe introducing yourselves and maybe t- telling the listeners a little bit about uh, where you guys got your start in okay. filmmaking. You go first. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've met several short films, um, basically, uh, some of them in Paris, in London, and um, then in Israel and Palestine. Um, the, the last one was Checkpoint. I co I co-wrote it with uh, Lola, but I directed it, and he he have he he got a huge success. He have been selected in more than 100 festivals around the world. Um, my background is uh, I used to work in a TV production and internet, and uh, what else? So <laughs> we moved to New York to. On my side, I was directing uh, two shorts there. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one was A Girl Like You with a Boy Like Me, who have been selected in uh, a lot of festivals also around the world. So my background is that uh, I um, I worked for a little while on, um, on TV production and documentaries and um, and TV shows. And then I studied films at, in London at UCL and in New York at the New School and a little bit at NYU too. And uh, then I co-wrote this uh, short film Checkpoint with Ruben that we shot uh, between Israel and Palestine. And after that, we, we moved in New York. I mean, that was before I, I went to the New School and NYU. So we, we moved to New York where Ruben was working on, uh, on these two short films. And I was studying more filmmaking because before that I used to to study uh, film theory and analysis and and then we get this idea of making this feature film. And this is your first feature film right so how how was this different than maybe some of the shorts that you worked on? Uh, That was much more difficult especially because we get more money for the last short film we did than for the feature. (laughs) So. <laughs> yeah, because in France you you can easily get some grants for short films are very uh, supported by the uh, government, and uh, we receive uh, I think yeah at least the same amount of money than we get to make this feature. Yeah. So, but but also because we wanted to to make experiment. our own story and experiment it, so we didn't want to write um, a proper script. I mean, we had a story and that was pretty developed, but we didn't want to write the dialogues and we wanted to experiment with the actors. Yeah, and we were, we were very attached to be uh, independent, not because of just to be independent from the studio or whoever, just because we would like to to work with the actors uh, as we always want to try. Yeah, and do it our way without being led by anybody. So, so that was very different from the short film because the the short film we it was very scripted. And, yeah, I mean that was our idea, but that was because we got the grants. We were supposed to do something that would be in the in the mood of what they expected. So that wasn't really something that came from our will of doing this story, and and that was really scripted and the production was very. Uh, For the feature, we we try to make uh, totally the opposite way mm-hmm. yeah. um, by meeting people first and having a lot of workshop session with the actors and build the stories 
progressively over the course of three months. Mm -hmm. So it was really different. Yeah. Another were, process. There was much more room for experimentation yeah. in the future of the process. Well, let's talk about the film itself. We're discussing Swim, Little Fish, Swim. So this is making its world premiere at South by Southwest next month. And why don't, we, why don't we talk a little bit about the movie, maybe just uh, a plot synopsis. What's this all about? So it's about, uh, it's, it depicts three interwined stories. So there are three main characters. Um, there's one couple um, that is composed of uh, Lee Ward and Mary. So Lee Ward is a very uh, fringe musician and he doesn't want to work for money and he's a bit like uh, an, a new age visionary and and he has his own idea of art and and is the couple is facing a, a crisis because the 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 woman Marie is a hard working nurse and she works a lot and and she she wants uh, they're in their 30s and she wants a, a proper family life and she would like to move into a, a house with her family etc so, so they don't understand each other. And at this point, enter uh, Lilas, who is a young French girl um, that I play. And she comes to New York because she wants to, uh, to, she's a young artist and she wants to try to make it in New York and, and to, um, to emancipate herself from uh, an overwhelming mom who is a, a famous uh, French painter. So it's a bit hard for her to, to make her out in the shadow of her mother. And she moved into the, the couple's apartment, which is a tiny Chinatown apartment, um, because they need someone to, uh, to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. She moves there, and the two ununderstood un artists, who are Lilas and Liwab, meet each other and start to get along and help each other to move forward. Now, the way that you have it structured, is it like separate vignettes or is it kind of like a concurrent story that, that cuts back and forth between like the three different plot lines? Yes, it's a concurrent story. Um, we first follow uh, Lilas for a while and then she moves uh, into the apartment and then it's, it's all interwined. And if yeah, and, and my character, Lilas, is more like a, a vehicle who, because she, she makes uh, experimental videos, so she's always filming, and so she's more observing, and, and she moves in this apartment, and she makes things change. So we, f we, we follow more uh, Liwad and Mary, and, and Lilas is more an observer, because her, her, her story with her mom is, is less uh, present, because the mom lives lives in uh, in France so they just have like fun conversations over the movie so let's talk about the Kickstarter project right now you have a Kickstarter campaign going that's for post-production is that correct uh, yeah to finish the post-production so we still have uh, some color correction to do and the sound, the, mix, the sound mix the DCP yeah and it's also for for the, the marketing expenses Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and for travels because yeah. we, we for, come for we come all the way from France to go to Athens and and, and we like 
Yeah, we'd like the cast and crew to be able to come too. So, so let's talk about uh, some of the incentives that you have for your Kickstarter campaign. Maybe some of the highlights. One of the, the main ones, the one we like the more, is uh, the, the song uh, we want to offer. Yeah. You're talking about the pledges, yeah. Since the Liward, the main character, is a musician, we have uh, very talented uh, composers who worked on the film. So we'd like to offer some of their songs on download. And, and, also, uh, and also, yeah, there is a pledge, which is uh, a song created uh, by, yeah, by the band uh, Toys and Ten Instruments. We made a lot of music for our film. And especially for, for people for the backer. Backer, yeah. um, with uh, their name or, or in, in order to offer it to someone they like. So <laughs> this and we also have um, some New York premiere. Yeah. Um, um, party and screening yeah. with the cast and the crew. And, and the same at South by Southwest. And there's a pledge I like, which is a surprise forget. It's um, we want to offer uh, unique props from uh, from the film. So yeah, I like that. That's really cool. Yeah, and they're very very unique and funny. So I think it's interesting. So you're looking for uh, fifteen thousand for this. You're currently at uh, just over a, a thousand, but you have twenty one days to go. So you could definitely get in in that spot. I think. Yeah. And have you? Um, talked about distribution yet? Are you going to be shopping this around more festivals other than South By? We have a sales agent, so yeah. we're, we're... We just get a sales agent, Paradigm. Paradigm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so and we are currently working on a strategy to, um, to figure out what, what is the best way to, to be distributed. Very yeah. good. So we hope we could find someone interested in the movie yeah. at South By Southwest, but... Otherwise, yeah, we've already been contacted by uh, several other festivals. Um, and distributors, some of some of yeah, distributors. Yeah. So. so that's only the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and this is also in uh, the competition with South by Southwest, too. That should be noted. Yeah, we are very proud because initially we, we didn't know that we have been selected for the competition. They just sent us an email to tell us that we are in South by Southwest, which is already very yeah. nice. But we didn't know which selection, so yeah. we were very surprised and yeah. happy. <laughs> very proud to be in the official competition. Now, is there is there any way to, if, if people want to check out yeah. the previous short films, is there any way to, to see those? Yeah, it's on uh, Vimeo, so we can send you a yeah, link. It's, it's a well, I take it you you guys will be attending the premiere at South by. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, okay. okay, that'll that'll be great. So if uh, and do you know the dates of when it's going to be playing at the festival? Uh, yeah, the premiere will be on the eleventh of March uh, at eleven a.m. Okay. And then we have two other uh, two other screenings scheduled for now uh, on the twelfth and the thirteenth. Um, you could send yeah. it to the, the yeah. yeah, that'd be great. So, if you're going to South by Southwest, make sure you check out Swim Little Fish Swim. And uh, to find more, you can just go to their, their Kickstarter page. You, I believe you also have a website set up, is that correct? In fact, that's what you're trying to get some of the funds for, right? To finish up the website? 
uh, yeah, trying to pay back the developer on that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's at swimlittlefishswim.com. Okay, well, thank you so much, guys, for taking the time, and maybe we can get a chance to talk a little bit more at the festival. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it would be a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you again, guys, for taking the time to talk with us. If you want to find out more about the, the film, head on over to filmpulse.net, and you can see there's a widget on the right side of the screen. The article for the actual project should also still be on the homepage, and you can also go to swimlittlefishswim.com. Make sure you donate to this wonderful film. Let's go ahead. Let's just jump right into our next interview. Another interview. Another interview. It's a two for this week. Tandem interview. Nice. We had a chat with director Danny Madden about his new film, Euphonia, which is also premiering at South by South this year. So let's go ahead. Just jump right into that. Why don't we get started by maybe telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got your start in film. Um, okay, I mean, I, I grew up in South Florida originally, like nice. um, Fort Lauderdale area, and kind of, I don't know, I just, I've always been interested in it, kind of grew up in a family full of, uh, like, my mom is kind of uh, into, into books, my dad's into movies, so storytelling is always kind of a big thing for uh, the Madden family. <laughs> and nice. I don't know, I mean, how do those things start? You kind of take dad's camera out and uh, shoot some stuff with your friends. And I don't know, that, that kind of begins that, that style of mm-hmm. storytelling for us. So we're talking about Euphonia. Now, this movie got picked up for South by Southwest. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you just give us a, uh, just a little synopsis of what this movie's all about? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of the story of a kid kind of stuck in, in the sounds of the suburbs, and he needs to... He tries to find like an escape for that, and what he tries is using a sound recorder to kind of like build his own soundscape and sound environment, and just sort of get away from I don't know whatever sounds are kind of bugging him, and it ends up kind of getting out of control and and uh, becoming more of a, a prison cell than an escape for him. Yeah, it seems like he kind of becomes obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I think there's a lot of that going on in the 21st century, huh? Yeah. Now, this this started off as a short film, correct? And then you just kept adding on to it, and eventually it's it's now 55 minutes long, right? Um, yeah, not, not really adding on to it. I, I mean, the script was 20 or so pages, mm-hmm. and um, we just kind of shot it how we felt it needed to be shot. I mean, we planned for a month of shooting, and... We were working between actors, uh, you know, their like summer job schedules and stuff like that, and it just we just kind of like kept expanding on these moments, and I think it was a combination of my limited script writing and kind of overshooting of, of scenes that sort of came together, and I realized when I was editing it, I was like, oh, this is going to be way longer than 20 minutes. Yeah, so you you pretty much did everything with this movie, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I got a lot of time, kind of. I'm very patient with these kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that um, Benjamin Wiesner was kind of, uh, he was a big help in, as far as story goes. He was um, he was kind of like my guy who I, w- I would be emailing him 
drafts of the script and stuff, and he he just always like gave really great notes for that. So in that sense, I was living in Colorado at the time and didn't really have any film collaborators around me. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of did everything remotely and work a lot with my brother. He's kind of like my favorite favorite person as far as like his opinion on film and sort of his ambition of what he wants to really express with what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So kind of a, a lot of just like just being in touch with them while yeah. I was working on the screenplay and, and doing that. And then, yeah, and on, on set, it's Jonathan Silva is sort of my huge like partner in crime. He's, uh, he's there to kind of help with everything, doing the, doing the, like directing the photography and rolling on sound when we actually started, started shooting. And um, so I don't know. I mean, it's like, as far as like the big title roles, yeah, like my name is there, but it's definitely definitely a team effort, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So one of the interesting things about this movie is that it's it's a movie essentially about sound, and sound plays a really big part in the movie. Uh, the question I have for you is: when you were actually getting the sound for this movie, did you use the actual audio recorder, or did you use like a boom? Um, it was. Everything was recorded on that on that recorder. That's yeah, um, that's nice. Really cool. Nice. In a sense, it, it was like beforehand, like even while writing it. You know, I got the recorder like a year before we started shooting, so I just kind of lived this a little bit and kind of carried it around and you know bugged people and folks asked if I if it was a taser or something. You know, and kind of like carried it around everywhere. <laughs> and then we shot the movie, and then after you know, kind of doing the the sound design, and I did a lot of just Foley work on the streets. I was living in New Orleans at the time when I was doing most of the sound stuff and sort of just going around and like bugging people, like following a, a horse and carriage for half an hour, trying to get like the perfect sound <laughs> of that without too much like, you know, drunken New Orleans ambiance behind mm-hmm. it. And just, uh, it, it sort of became like a, I don't know, I, I sort of like felt what this character was feeling as far as like, the pressures of it and when I would go out and I didn't have it in my backpack I would be like oh shit where's the recorder you know and just like feeling that kind of connection to it it was like this self-fulfilling prophecy yeah and when when I was watching it I was kind of thinking about how we are with cell phones and how if I leave the house and I forget my cell phone I feel like there's a part of me that's missing I feel incomplete without my cell phone and I don't think that that's a good thing but it felt very similar in this movie, like the times when the batteries would run out of the recorder, or if it got dropped or broken or whatever happens mm-hmm. in the film. <clears throat> Just our dependence, Great. our dependence on technology. Um, yeah, those, so, things, those things were definitely written with that in mind, no doubt. Yeah. See, I, f- I feel good when I leave the house without my cell phone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange it. that it, it can be like this liberation, and it's, it's so weird to me that... I don't, like no one carried cell phones what 15 years ago you right. know and yeah. now it's like i don't know it, it seems like this little like you know those little ankle bracelets when you're on yeah. the uh, yes it yeah oh. sometimes it really feels like that yeah yeah um, you're tethered to it really I, I, yeah i will go on record in saying that cell phones are one of the worst inventions <laughs> see that's the thing i mean for me it's like, I, I get this all the time you know like the whole my parents like oh they think i'm like kind of like, oh, like, keep technology at arm's length. But really, like, I really don't, I don't despise the thing, you know? Like, I think in their, in their purest intention, and in, in they're great. 
I mean, if it's an emergency, if I'm snowmobiling in the, in the wild and I, it flips and I break my leg and I'm sitting there in the woods, you know, it's like the cell phone's going to be a, a great invention. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's you know? true. That's true. But it's like if I'm trying to hang out with my cousins who I see a week out of the year and we're having like a nice dinner together, I don't need yeah. to be text messaging my buddy about like this new movie that's coming out, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, so there's a, there's a balance. You just need to like, you need to use these things appropriately. And, and that's something that we really try to express with Euphonia is like, when it's used properly, it takes him on this sort of adventure and he goes places he wouldn't have gone and talks with people he, he wouldn't normally talk to. And he goes around, has this kind of, this pull to these sounds to notice more. And then it just kind of like turns like over the edge of the waterfall, you know? Right. Yeah. I noticed when, when I was watching and I got to watch it with, I listened to it with earbuds in. So uh -huh. I don't know if it came, gave it like an extra dimension, but I ended up getting lost in the sounds. Mm -hmm. And so almost confused as to the sounds as that, that I was hearing mm -hmm. and sort of focusing more on the sounds and not necessarily what was on screen. I don't know if that was the intention or not. No, that's, that's great, man. That's definitely, <clears throat> um, I read a, a Randy Tom quote, you know, Randy Tom is one of the big sound designers out there. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he talks about sound designers being in the second class of, of like the, the auteur of filmmaking, of storytelling. And I, I totally agree with that. I, I feel like they're so underrated. Like it, it really, hopefully this film will bring it to people's attention that sound is, in my opinion, one of the main storytelling elements of cinema. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree know? with and that. It's like, and I, I feel like you, you notice it when there's bad sound. It's horrifying. You know, yeah. but when there's wonderful sound and when it's, you know, when it's like Star Wars and everything's built from the ground up, it's like people just are like, oh, cool. That's what Star Wars sounds like. Yeah. You know, they, they don't really think about the craft and the artistry that goes into every tiny little blip and bleep, you know? Mm -hmm. So hopefully yeah, I'm glad it was a sound experience for you, you know? Now I wanted to ask, you mentioned Star Wars in this, in this movie, you do use a lot of movie clips and mm -hmm. I was wondering, are you going to be able to sell this movie with having those clips in there? Um, selling the movie was really never an intention for us. <laughs> to make that, but it was. It was literally. It was me and my brother and a couple friends going out and shooting a movie that was going to be twenty minutes long. And this is before all like the notes on biology stuff, so no one had ever like seen anything that we'd done. You know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So it was very much like, oh, cool, like, we'll show our, our friends and our parents, and we'll be like, hey, cool movie, thumbs up. And uh, so that, I don't know, it, it kind of puts us in a weird position, but also we don't really have to go to film festivals with this, um, with so much of a business mind, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, it's exactly. more It's much more about just sharing the story, and, you know, ideally we'd like to put it out online for free and just kind of share it with people. That, yeah, that would be... That's, that would be ideal, but that's definitely stuff to talk with the with Jim, our producer, about. You know, he's more more into that stuff and knows more about it. So. Yeah, and I think that uh, this is going to be a great springboard for you because uh, to be your debut film and having it get accepted into South by, I mean, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting for sure. I'm, I'm glad they saw something that they feel is worth sharing. 
Now, I take it you weren't really, when you were making this, were you anticipating such a, a positive reception of it and getting into festivals and the like? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I tend not to think about that stuff so much. Um, I'm, I'm very, I don't know, like you said, like I, I kind of, I have a lot to think about while I'm working on this. I, I fill a lot of roles. And I really just just try to think about how to communicate the story in the best, like most immersive way that I can. And then suddenly the movie's done, and then it's like, okay, cool. Now we can think about what the hell to do with it, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I'm very much like because like the thing about that is I, I feel like it brings in a lot of pressures that I think are sort of pseudo pressures. Like, oh, we have to get this movie done by this deadline. You know, when really, it's like, no one's really anticipating this. We're just making this on our own time. Like, why not take the extra month and fix all those little sound tweaks that I have a list of, you know? And I'll just do that. And, and so, I don't know, there's, a, there's so much for me to think about in pre-production, production, and post-production that, I don't know, the, the whole, like, what to do with it afterwards doesn't really have a place in my mind. It's probably a, a good way to think about it. I mean, it lets you focus on the film itself and not all that extraneous stuff. Yeah. And that's definitely something that Jim, you know, Jim Cummings kind of came into the Ornana picture about a year and a half ago. And he, he's much better, about, like a more producerial, like uh, minded. Mm -hmm. So he kind of, he, he thinks about that stuff and, and like does a great job of, of um, not letting me worry about it. You know, like yeah. if an email comes through, like, oh, hey, for example, like the, the an interview thing. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm animating the new film right now, and I'm kind of like like sinking into the story, like sitting at this desk all day surrounded by thousands of sheets of paper. And, uh, and Jim kind of like, you know, taps me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, Sunday morning at 10, okay? And I was like, okay, Jim, thanks. You know, and like that. So kind of like like to have the team to like sort of help with all that and sort of keep I don't know, keep um, the project like just jamming along as, as smoothly as it can is, is invaluable, absolutely. Yeah. So what's next? What's next on the plate? Confusion Through Sand is what it's called. It's a, another animated short. <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, I don't want to give away too much, but it's, it's the story of sort of, um, it's an interpretation of like uh, desert warfare through the eyes of this one soldier who may or may not think too much and, and how that kind of can get in the way of, uh, of, you know, a soldier's duties and, and sort of a, a lot of confusions like culturally and physically, there's a lot of kind of abstract animation in there. And, uh, I don't know, it's, it's something absolutely different from, <laughs> from anything I've done, which is, which is something important to me is to, to really try something new every time. Well, I'm definitely interested in that. Yeah, I yeah. read about this on the the uh, the Verge article, and it uh, says that it's a hand drawn style, which automatically oh, yeah. has me interested. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as you can imagine, I'm not too keen on on computer stuff. You know, I, can, I mean, I can I can work Final Cut <laughs> as, as much as you know as much as I need to, but um, beyond that, it's kind of like all the crazy computer animation stuff I haven't really gotten to. So the the more that I can do physically um just the better for me it's, it's like a, you're going to be spending thousands of hours working on this thing so i'd rather be looking and touching paper you know instead of kind of slumped over a computer screen right uh, uh, i'd love to hear yeah, that 
Yeah. Yeah, yes. and it just gives it just gives it like the look. We've been doing some tests, like animation tests, and we backlight it, and the texture of the it's all on recycled paper, and it all kind of comes through in this like really beautiful organic way, and it looks it just looks tangible. Like you can you can touch touch the frames almost, you know, and, and that that aesthetic is so beautiful to me, and it's just I don't know, it's it's rarer than I'd like it to be. Yes, you know, definitely is. Yeah, in in the world of animation, I feel like people are. Especially indie animation, you know, people don't have a lot of time to do stuff, and they just like kind of there's so many computer shortcuts that they're like, oh, this looks fine, and and to me it's just like, eh, I like to see that, I like to see the like fingerprints on it, if you will. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. it is. It is one of those things that unfortunately seems to be dying out a little bit. Is the hand drawn <laughs> yeah. animation? Right, yeah. right. That's so. true. But I don't know. It's stuff like it, it's really stuff like Kickstarter is kind of helping get that so i've seen a lot of kind of hand-drawn indie stuff coming up on there and i, I like to see that you know people are kind of oh, yeah. the, the hand-drawn fans are coming out of the woodwork you know we do a we do a feature every week on the site called kickstart sunday where we support a kickstarter project and then cool. we usually we usually have the the director on and we talk to him and one of the ones that we did just a few weeks ago was um a short film called Arrival by um, a director named Alex um, Young, and okay. he he does all hand drawn animation, and it just it looks amazing. It looks like a cool. Miyazaki film or something. And oh, he, right on! It's called he, it's called Arrival. Yeah, Arrival. <laughs> oh, Arrival. Cool. Yep. Cool. And it, fortunately, it got funded, so we'll be seeing awesome. that shortly. And it was Great. it was a tough one. I mean, with those Kickstarter projects. He was he had like three days left and he still needed to get like thirteen grand and somehow it happened for him. So Yeah, yeah, we had a we had a similar thing for sure. <laughs> that was uh, Jim and Ben were leading up that charge and they did a pretty awesome job of like pulling it all together at the end. So So you're a you're a pretty big fan of crowdfunding then? I mean I my my knowledge of it is just kind of this experience and uh mm-hmm. From this, I've kind of learned about just how great it is. You know, I just like by experience, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Now I get to really make this make this movie how it needs to be made. Right. And um, so because of that, I've totally <laughs> been on and supporting other people's projects. And yeah, yeah. yeah it, I mean, it's cool. It makes you feel like a part of it. Like it feels like you're enabling, and and that's kind of it's a very empowering thing for people. I think. Yeah, that's why we love we love yeah. doing it. I think I think it's nice anytime that the people use the internet to create a sense of community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, it's going towards something that, like, people, um, there's an animator called uh, Caleb Wood, and he's based, he's up in, like, I don't know, he's in, like, the woods of, like, Michigan or Wisconsin or something, and, and he's just, like, you know, graduated RISD and moved up there and kind of living at home, like, in the woods. You know, and he had, I think he did, like, an Indiegogo thing and got his project funded, and it's, like, just so cool, like, just he films himself in the woods like hey i'm trying to make this movie and uh and he can do it from there he can do it from his his home you know i think it's great that like i mean you guys know you're in florida and pennsylvania you know it's it's not new york it's not los angeles it's and that's a big thing for me is like shooting movies in georgia is is great because people are excited to help you when mm-hmm. you're making a movie, it's not, it's, they're not jaded. You don't go into a bakery and say, Hey, we're going to shoot the scene. And they're like, okay, we'll bring in, uh, bring in the contracts and, uh, it's going to be this much money per day. 
You know, you go to a baker in Georgia, and he's like, oh, you guys are filmmakers? Uh, please, like, I'll close the store down for three days, you know? Can my family come watch the film? And, yeah, you want free donuts? And, you know, it's just like, it's such a different different atmosphere on set, and there's just such a different kind of excitement, you know? Yeah, and I've I've noticed that a lot a lot more indie films that are coming out these days are, are being shot in different locations, and I, I feel like people are starting to move away from the whole... Hollywood uh, scene. Yeah, it's just it's just new flavors, you know. I mean, it's a, that to me is what like people are. They are so many flavors, you know. People come from all different places and they like live all different kinds of lives, and and I think that the accessibility of film is starting to reflect that. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. It's, and it's really exciting to me, you know. Well, congratulations on getting into South by Southwest. Do you know the the date that you're movie's going to be screening there? I think it's going to be um, the 9th and the 10th, like the 9th on Saturday at night, and then the 10th will be in the morning sometime. I'm not, not exactly sure on that. I, I have on South by Southwest's uh, website here, it says the 9th, the 12th, and the 13th. Oh, okay, the 12th and the 13th. Is the 12th, is it like an a.m. showing? Yeah, it's like 11 a.m. The 9th cool. is at 7 p.m., and Wednesday, March 13th is 4.30 p.m. Cool, yeah, now, yeah. Are, are so you going to be at the festival? Yeah, I'll be there um, from the 6th to the 12th. I think I'll be leaving the 12th, um, or maybe the 13th. But um, our producer, Jim, will be there for all three screenings. And... Cool. <coughs> so, well, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, try to try to meet up when we're, when we're there. Sounds great. Thanks again, Danny, for taking some time with us. Hopefully we'll be able to meet up with him in South by Southwest and have a follow-up chat. Let's talk about the Independent Spirit Awards. They were on last night. Big winner, Silver Linings. What did you think about this? Yeah, it was was great. That was was, was just just bullshit. I was extremely disappointed in the results. Extremely, extremely. So let's just run down the list. Best feature went to Silver Linings. Best director went to David O. Russell for Silver Linings. Best screenplay went to Silver Linings. Best first feature went to Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, best first screenplay went to Safety Not Guaranteed. Um, the Cassavetes Award went to Middle of Nowhere. Best female lead went to Jennifer Lawrence for Silver Linings, of course. Best mm-hmm. male lead went to John Hawks. Supporting female went to Helen Hunt for the sessions. Documentary went to The Invisible War. Best International Film, of course, went to Amore. Matthew McConaughey got Supporting Male for Magic Mike. Cinematography went to Ben Richardson for Beast of the Southern Wild, which I was happy nice. with. Nice. I like that one. Yeah. But so overall, Silver Linings cleaned up. Yeah, it did. I don't I really don't think that they're gonna win that many Oscars. I got it. In, in comparison. I hope not. If they do, I'm just going to lose it. I was incredibly disappointed. I don't think I voted for Silver Linings for anything. No, I didn't. I mean, taking a look at the nominees, yeah, I didn't vote for Silver Linings at all. No, I, I know I didn't. I For Best Picture, I went Beast of the Southern Wild. Same here. Best Director, I think I went, I think I went Wes Anderson. I think I want Ben Slightly. I was it was a toss up between those two, but I think I ended up going with Wes Anderson. 
Best screenplay. I think I also went Moonrise on that one, but I can't. I, I want uh, Seven Psychopaths on that one. Maybe that's what I did. I think I did that. Yeah, I think that that's what I did on that one too. First feature. I think I went. Was that was safety not guaranteed up for that? Are you talking? Yeah, best, best first feature. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to go best first screenplay. But yeah, best feature was safety not guaranteed. Give me the loot, fill the void, sound of my voice, perks of being a wallflower. I went safety not guaranteed on that one. I think. I, I this one. I I think I want either safety or give me the loot. What but definitely you? definitely wasn't perks of being a fucking wallflower. I didn't mind that movie, but uh, I no, I know I didn't vote for it. Uh, screenplay, I think I, I did vote for Safety Not Guaranteed, and that's that's what won. Yeah, I think I went with that as well. Overall, I just I thought now the the award show itself was good. I I thought that Andy Samberg was funny, and I liked all the skits and the uh, the screenwriter of. Safety not guaranteed. Who was completely inappropriate and drunk and hilarious. That was that was good. Yes. I, I was surprised to see Michael Haneke actually there and accepting the award and speaking in English. There was it was overall a very entertaining award show. I think that it'll be more entertaining than the Oscars. That was without a doubt. The Oscars are always a train wreck. They. Everything about the Spirit Awards is great because it's it's much more laid back. Everybody's mm-hmm. drinking, everybody's laughing, making jokes, dropping f bombs, and it's just so much more fun than the Oscars. And the, the yeah. like, they don't you don't have to worry about like the the playing them off music coming yeah. on. They just roll with it. Like, there's no playing you off music. Now, people might eventually tell you to sit down and start yelling at you, like in, in the case of last night, where people people in the audience are literally telling him to go and sit down. <laughs> you end up being escorted by security. Yeah, that was that was all very funny. But much... And it's just much more streamlined. Like, no bullshit in that. But... The results of the awards, I was not happy with. The show itself, I found to be quite entertaining. Nice. Yeah, yeah I just, that's extremely disappointed by the whole Silver Linings Playbook thing. Number one, I didn't think it was a good film, and we've talked about this numerous times. <clears throat> but second, it's not an independent film. I know, like, I it think just, that that's bothers- one that, yeah, I think that that's one that's really kind of, pushing the line here and i mean i see i understand that they save themselves a little bit because they say independent spirit award so it has the spirit of an independent film and i I actually i think we talked about this last year yeah i mean we i think me and you both understand that they got to do some stuff to get some butts in the seat to get some get some press releases absolutely build it up a little bit more and hopefully it'll help out one of those essentially like a trickle down theory type deal which who knows if it works or not but it just it bothers me that this film like swept the independent spirit awards yeah like are you you're honestly telling me that the best performance was jennifer lawrence yeah best female lead was jennifer lawrence really did we watch the same movie 
I thought she was fine, but I don't think she. She, I thought she was fine, but she was nothing special, nothing to write home about. She wasn't. It wasn't like, oh my god, Jennifer Lawrence is a revelation. I think she's a a great actress. I mean, Winner's Bone, I thought was incredible. But the the thing is, it's the role, you know. Like, if it's not an intense role, and I didn't feel like her role in Silver Linings was intense. I mean, she was. It was just normal. Mm, yeah, yeah. I I completely agree. It's just I didn't think it was special. Yeah, it's nothing that jumped out at me. It was like, oh my god, this is amazing. People are going to be talking about this for years. No, everyone's going to fucking completely forget about this performance by like next year. Yeah, I think that it is going to be one of those that just kind of gets forgotten. Plus, I mean, it was a shit movie. The more I think about it, it's just. Uh. I was I was disappointed. We'll put it that way. I didn't hate yeah. it, but I I was disappointed with it. No, I yeah, I do I do have to say that that I get more and more angrier by, you know, each time I think about it mostly because of all the praise that's been heaped on it and the awards, but I I should say that that's not David O. Russell's fault. It's not his fault that people fell in love with this movie and gave him such great press and gave him awards. Right, yeah. So I mean, it is it is a little bit unfair of me to rail against it because everyone else loves it. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's pretty much it for the Spirit Awards. Uh, I would you can go to the site and review all the the winners. I I was I will say I was extremely happy for uh, Give Me the Loot. Yes, for the Someone to Watch Award. Yes, I'm excited about that because I, I, I did. Was, yeah. I am excited to see more of Adam Leon. Yeah, I think that um, I hope that he does some more stuff, and I think that'll be good. And best cinematography, best documentary, and best supporting. Even though I didn't vote for Matthew McConaughey, I'm happy that he at least got a award this year because he he deserves something this year. I voted. I voted for him for supporting. Did you? I went Sam Rockwell. Oh no no! I I you know what? I think I did go Sam Rockwell. Oh. I think I went McConaughey for act uh, for um, best actor and uh, lead. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, I think that's what I that's what I did. Um, let's talk about the Razzies. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so Ryan's going to be watching a number of these later. Twilight so Saga: Breaking Dawn Part Two. Turn it up. Dominated. Yes. Out of the eleven. <laughs> categories it won seven of that's now this is this is a sweep i can get behind yeah really when you break it down out of all the categories there was only two movies that won razzies this year there was twilight breaking dawn part two and that's my boy that's oh no battleship two forgot about that one yeah so yeah well battleship only won one it won one that was there was three movies that won that's it yeah Rihanna got Worst Supporting Actress. Which I think is deserved. I haven't seen it, but I would imagine that it's bad. Uh, Adam Sandler got Worst Actor for That's My Boy. Uh, and Worst Screenplay was also That's My Boy. And all the rest went to Twilight. We got Twilight. Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Actress, Worst Support... Or no, Worst Supporting Actor. We got mm-hmm. Worst Ensemble Cast... Worst remake, ripoff, or sequel. Worst screen couple. I would say that the worst screen couple is an upset. 
Because I would have won any two cast members from Jersey Shore in the Three Stooges. That's how I would have went. I I have seen the Three Stooges, and I would probably also do that. Nice. So I, mean, I think that's on. the upset of the night. Did any of them um, accept? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, that's unfortunate. Not that I'm aware of. That is unfortunate. <sighs> it's rare that people accept them. I think... I think I read that Tom Green accepted his for Freddy Got Fingered, and I, there might have been a couple other ones here and there. Yeah, because I, someone's really popping out to me. So Holly Berry, Nicholas Cage, I, maybe. Yeah, Holly Berry, because I think that was in the same year that she won the Oscar. Yeah, her Razzie for Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's favorite. That was uh, that was an odd year for Halle Berry. Yeah, they. She was in like one of the worst movies of the year and one of the best. Yeah, crazy. It it, it happens. It happens. It does happen. Money's a crazy thing. It'll make you do some weird shit. <laughs> yeah, I think we have movie forty three to prove that. Yep. This year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of favors were owed to a lot of people. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Talk about our predictions. Snitch, you said thirty-six. I said forty-two. Actual fifty-three on Snitch. Fifty-three. Okay. I think it got a higher score just because of Barry Pepper's wicked beard in it. Oh, Barry Pepper has a beard. Oh, dude, it's. Are you serious? It's like one of those gross, like really long beards. Oh man, nice. It's intense. And Dark Skies, you said ten. I said thirty-five. Actual thirty-eight. Wow. Dark skies. That seems extremely high. Yeah, I thought that that was going to be low too. But Next week, 21 and over. What are you thinking on this bad boy? Uh, oh, my God. Um, 21 and over. I'm going to go 20. 20 for 21 and over? That's right. Uh, I think that this looks so bad. I'm going to say like 18. Yeah. Jack yeah. the Giant Slayer. I uh, think this looks bad. I think everything looks bad right now. I'm going to say 42 on JGS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go like a I'm going to go 36. Last exorcism part 2. Part <laughs> 2. Uh 7. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 10. I'm getting me and Stoker. Ooh. Uh, this one I think is going to be real good. I wish I could see this. I think it's coming to the Charles, but I don't think it's going to come this weekend. Is it only limited release? I think so. I was thinking this would get a wider release. I thought so too. I mean, there's been a, a decent amount of buzz around it. Yeah. I'm going to say 87 on Stoker. I'm going to go like... Uh, I'm going to go like a... 74. I hope that it's good. I, I I'm fairly confident that it will I, be. I have a feeling it's gonna be it's gonna be decent. It's gonna be pretty I think it's gonna be pretty good. I think a lot of people are gonna think it's decent. I think people are getting sort of tired of these storylines. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean we'll see how far he takes the like the revenge aspect of it. Because if he plays that up, I'll probably be real into it. See, that's one of those things. When he comes over to America, I'm sure that they're telling him that he's got to dial it back. I don't know. Which doesn't make any sense because his entire thing is what brought him over here. 
His movies are so intense. I, I have a feeling that this will be dialed back. It's just, I never, I don't understand Hollywood and the U.S. with bringing directors over. And that's their whole thing that gets them on our radar. And then we bring them over and we're like, yeah, we don't want you to do any of that. We want you to do what we do. Yeah. It's like, great. what the fuck's the point? Do you remember that scene in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance when he gets stabbed in the throat and you can, like, see his yeah. artery, like, throbbing? Oh, God. And when, did, when they the cut Achilles the kill. Oh, in, in Underwater. Oh, <laughs> oh Chanwook Park. Amazing director. If you haven't seen... I, I would recommend everything in his yeah. filmography. Yep. All right. DVD and Blu-ray releases. This is for Tuesday, February 26th. 2013 we got girls against boys that's crap don't see it chasing mavericks that's crap don't see it holy motors that's great go see it (laughs) at least i thought it was great yes i thoroughly enjoyed it how to survive a plague that's very good check it out that's actually right now that is play instantly on netflix so if you have that check it out yep that's how i saw that so highly recommend that oscar nominated we have the loneliest planet uh i was not I think you liked this one more than I did. I was not. Yeah, too. I think it's it's an interesting piece. Uh, it was just I thought it was really dry. Yeah, it does, it does drag a decent amount. I'll I don't. Give you that. I, I don't want people to think that I hated it or anything. I think I gave it like a three or something on Letterbox. I I did like it, but I I just anyway I, I did think it dragged. Then we have the master, Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh yeah, check it out. Do it. Yeah, I would. Highly See recommend. It. Highly recommend the master. See it. See it. Believe it. Feel the master. And then we have Big Razzie winner Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two. Mm. I think the I think Check the Razzies speak for themselves on this one. Oh hell yeah! Ryan's going to be watching this at some point in time. More than likely. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yes. All right. I think that wraps it up. For all oh, those, I have. I have. Oh, I have, oh that's I have, right. Per- I have two Criterions here. That's right. We got some Criterions. We have a a French movie called The Chronicle of a Summer, uh, which is out on Blu-ray, which is sort of a collaboration between a filmmaker, an anthropologist, and a sociologist. Um, very bizarre uh, mixture of documentary slash narrative, uh, like a study. Uh, I'm somewhat interested in this. I'm going to probably check this out at some hmm. point in time. Um, and then there's Shan- Sancho the Bailiff from 1954 Japanese film. Apparently supposed to be one of cinema's greatest masterpieces. So, hmm. about the human resilience in the face of evil. And that is, it's been out on Criterion before, but now it is released on Blu-ray. So that as well sounds interesting, but as always, everything on Criterion sounds interesting. Yeah, it does. All right. I think that wraps it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. We want to hear your feedback. Send us an email, feedback at filmpulse.net, or call our voicemail line. That number is 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. Filmpulse.net. My name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches the Movie.
we sat down over the phone. Huh? I'm just completely falling apart at this you gotta, point. You gotta get your shit together. I know. Uh, we sat down with a chat. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I? <laughs> we had a chat. <laughs> Wait, compose. 